You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Welcome back, everybody, to the third and final hour of tonight's live broadcast of TPC. Saturday evening, September the 16th, we're live. James Edwards and Keith Alexander, you just heard from uh, Kevin McDonald talking about his article on the Elon Musk uh, ADL Twitter incident. And uh, you can read that. And the ADL movement at theoccidentalobserver.net and of course the first hour we were talking about a whole hodgepodge of things that are cropping up that are just each one unprecedented in its own right and you got 10 unprecedented (laughs) groundbreaking occurrences i think almost any of those 10 items that have just sort of happened casually in the last couple of weeks would have been the single biggest news story of any normal year Uh, but we're not living in normal times anymore and joining us now we're living uh, in interesting times. Yeah, but certainly not normal times. And uh, joining us now to help us, uh, how do I want to put this, uh, just better understand and, and view the situation and uh, offer an opinion on the country's current trajectory is John Friend. John, of course, is associate editor at both the Barnes Review and the American Free Press. These are uh, sister publications, one a historical journal, and of course, uh, the other America's last real print newspaper. John, great to have you back. James, thanks, man. Appreciate it. It's always uh, great joining you guys. You guys do great work. So thanks a lot for having me. Well, you're very welcome. The last time you were on, uh, we were sitting together at that remote broadcast in Alabama. Well, what'd you think about that trip? Oh, man, that was awesome. You know, it's been it had been a long time since I'd been to Alabama, and it's really a beautiful place. I mean, of course, <laughs> Selma has seen better days, and, and parts, of, parts of Montgomery have seen better days, but it's a really interesting place. Lots of history, obviously, and um, the, the Southern Cultural Center was awesome. Those people, you know, everybody there was was just phenomenal. So I had a great time. I hope to do it again in the future. The, it was the really Selma a, Historical really uh, Society, not so much. Well, we, we did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you were with us that night, that Saturday night, we had not yet gone to Selma, which we did the very next day. Now, when we got on the air again the following week, we did a full hour sort of talking about what uh, we saw in Selma. But you have not had the chance to. We'll just quickly get through this. And we'll get back to the topics of the day. But. Uh, tell us your reflections on Selma that day that we spent together, you and I and Jared and uh, John Hill. Yeah, well, I guess what struck me were two things, just like sort of arriving in town because we I think we approached from the we were driving north into town because you had to cross the river to get into the main part of the town. But before you even cross the, the bridge to get you know into the main part of Selma, you come across these quote-unquote civil rights museums, and they're just a total disgrace. It was absolutely embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, these are supposed to be like the, uh, you know, these very important historical markers of this, you know, allegedly, you know, very important movement in American history, and they're just in total shambles. They look like they're bombed out. There's broken windows. There's, you know, nothing going on. None of the places were even open. So it was sort of embarrassing, and then you cross the cross the bridge, what is it, the uh, the Edmund Pettus Bridge? Yeah, then you're in downtown a, a pretty, Selma. You're on the riverfront, yeah. downtown Selma, which could have been a beautiful place. 
Well, it looked like, I mean, to me, it, it reminded me a lot of New Orleans, actually. I mean, like, you know, it, at least in its prime, you know, it had a very unique architecture and, and very, you know, very southern sort of New Orleans type feel. But I remember, you know, as we drove over the bridge, I'm looking, you know, looking along the riverfront and there's some of these old, you know, brick buildings and some of them look like they were going to fall right off into the river. They were well, so dilapidated. That, that, that's the thing. I was going to say you were generous to say that it's some part. And I know why you're saying that it was one building in particular that sort of had that uh, architecture. But uh, you were generous to say it reminded you, you of New Orleans. It reminded me of a, a, a set from The Walking Dead. Well, I guess well, in its one, prime, one maybe we in the say 50s. All the time. <laughs> One of the things we say all the time, John, is that you can't have a first-world community with a third-world population, and Selma certainly proves that. And, uh, you know, also it proves that without Jewish backing, masterminding, financing, everything else, the civil rights movement would never have amounted to a hill of beans. Yeah, that's, that's you know. Well, I, that, that's a good point. And uh, anyway, John, we, we spent uh, at least an hour the show following that live broadcast in Alabama talking about it. And I think we, we, we even revisited it the following show after that. So we've talked about that a lot. I don't want to get back into that for a long time, but since you were there with us that uh, night and uh, that day in Selma the next day, and we haven't had a chance to talk to you on the air yet. I definitely wanted to get you to weigh in. I, I guess I would just ask a final question on that. Has diversity been Selma's greatest strength? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. I mean, that's a, that's the uh, the main lesson, I guess. The main takeaway is that, you know, diversity in the quote unquote civil rights movement has totally destroyed that city. And that's apparent just by crossing the bridge. As soon as you show up into town, it's like, wow, what happened here? You know, I mean, I don't know if there was a single business open on that whole main riverfront. Uh, I think it was actually there called water. But there are plenty it, of begging local blacks uh, with their hands out wanting to uh, extract money from you. Though, yeah, right? Well, there was a, right. there really wasn't hardly anything. It was almost like a tumbleweed ghost town. There were a couple of those that you mentioned, Keith, and they were polite enough, but they definitely wanted some money. And but, you know, we see we talked about that. We see there's a great article in Oxdale Observer recently about blacks and begging that I would recommend to you, John. Read that. But everything was closed and there was no people. Uh, it, it was just a yeah. Really, yeah, there's, there's real like a ghost town. Uh, awkward, uh, weird type of uh, eerie, I guess, well, is the well, word we I'm couldn't, for. I mean, we couldn't even we, we went to a, a really, really cool uh, cemetery um, and, and me and John Hill actually stayed there after you guys took off. Um, which was a really, really cool experience. They have a confet. What do they call it? The Confederate Circle, I think. Yeah, it's the um, Live Oak is- Cemetery. Pat Godwin, who we love and we know, she maintains it, and uh, her husband. Oh, she was she was awesome. Yeah, yeah, she was Memorial great. Circle there. Very knowledgeable, very dedicated to you know preserving the memory of the Confederacy, and, and she does taking, it probably for no money. Circle. But on the other hand, if if you notice, I've noticed down here, if there's a black cemetery or something like that, the only way blacks try to keep it up as if some white person is paying them to do it. Right. Yeah, yeah, and she's pretty much doing it for free, like you said, and she spends, at least based on talking to her, it sounds like she spends a lot of her time doing it, and she does a, a fantastic job. And that whole circle area was really, really impressive. It was pristine. Probably by, by, I mean, far, the by far the best part of the cemetery. Well, it was the, it was part the, of the not, town. Not, yeah, I mean, the rest of the cemetery was sort of dilapidated and, and aged, and this was uh, not just the best part of the cemetery, but the cleanest and most pristine part of the whole town. I mean, it was right. well kept. It was raked. It was uh, everything. Yeah. Was- the only part that's still uh, managed and run by whites. And, uh, you know, a bird had uh, gotten on one of the monuments there. And uh, it was just it, just without prompting, without anything, there was Jared and John Hill taking out their water bottles. And believe me, we needed them that day. That was in the one of the worst, oh, most humid boy, it was so days hot of the summer. Day. 
oh, it was something. Brad Griffin, we were all just sweated through our clothes. But, I mean, the, the, I, I love that this was just a, a wonderful takeaway moment. I don't even know if we talked about this when we talked about it at length. But Jared and John Hill just went over there instinctively and started pouring water on this monument to clean it up. Uh, it was just so that that's the nature of our people. It's just it was just a wonderful day together, though. I mean, it was a wonderful thing to see. I mean, I, I, I hate that that's happened to Selma. I hate that these realities are what they are. But it was a wonderful day of fellowship and camaraderie. I'll certainly but, never but forget of course, it. Absolutely. The mainstream totally ignores what's happened to Selma. And they're certainly not going to chime in on our narrative. about Jared it. enjoyed it so much that uh, he's written, I think, at least two featured pieces and a video on it. One on Montgomery and one on Selma, which. Uh, were published a couple of weeks ago uh, at American Renaissance. So, and of course, you did an article on it on American Free for American Free Press, John, and uh, we talked about it here on the show. Anyway, uh, that being said, and that having been done, let's get to back to current topics. Uh, what's in the news this week? And we'll do it with John Friend of uh, the American Free Press in three minutes. Don't go anywhere. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. My name is Christian Knuckles. I prophesy there will be no revival until the church leadership stops lying to the people. I'm the first soldier of the spiritual body of Christ, the Lion of Judah, the Confederate Church of Christ. I'm here to declare the lion will lie down with the lamb when the lying stops. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries and brought to you by confederatechurchofchrist.com. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Welcome back, John Friend, AmericanFreePress.net, also of the Barnes Review. John, you know, in the first hour, we were covering this compilation of recent events that Brad Griffin had compiled for Occidental Descent, and I know you had read that article as well. I mean, when taking a look at the 
the way things are headed right now, where would you even – which of those ten items do you think is even the most significant? I mean, which one did you read? I know, that, did any of them make you raise your eyebrows? I mean, what are, where, are we, where are we headed right now? Actually, number two was uh, particularly interesting to me. I actually wrote a piece in this most recent issue of American Free Press about this uh, governor down in New Mexico, Governor Grisham, I think is her name. She was a former liberal Democrat congresswoman, and now she's the governor. She was just reelected in 2022. And it's sort of, I guess, 9-11 was recently, just uh, earlier this week, and 9-11 really opened the floodgates of of the government to basically do whatever it wants by declaring an emergency. And we certainly saw that with COVID. And now we see that with this governor in New Mexico basically single-handedly outlawing guns, apparently, that's what she's trying to do anyways, in total violation of not only the state's laws, but the U.S. Constitution. I mean, it's really an incredible, unprecedented attack on our God-given ordained rights. Um, so that, to me, was a, a really big story that probably hasn't got as a, as as um, as much attention as it should have. But yeah, it's tough well, to, yeah. to know even where to start with everything that's going on right now. John, I was saying uh, that basically I see a silver lining in it. It's like Governor Grisham in New Mexico has uh, uh, resurrected nullification and put it on steroids. You know, uh, John C. Calhoun just nullified a federal statute. She is nullifying constitutional provisions, the First and Second Amendment. And, you know, that could be a great, you know, uh, I would love to do the same thing with the 14th Amendment. Well, they can get away with it. We right. can't. That's the problem. I, I, well, I see and, where you're going with that. And the, the interesting thing is, I mean, when she made this, she, she declared it a, a, the gun violence to be a public health emergency. And then she issued this order, this 30-day ban <laughs> on carrying open, openly or carrying concealed firearms. Totally, again, totally against the law, you know, totally against the laws of the state of New Mexico and certainly against the U.S. Constitution. And at a press conference, she was asked about it, and she even admitted that the criminals who are committing all this gun violence are not going to abide by this anyways. So, I mean, the re- even the reasoning, like, it makes no sense. It's just a blatant power grab, and it- it's just outrageous. I mean, it's like one outrage after another, you know, every day I wake when up. guns are outlawed only outlaws will have guns that's just that's the easiest yeah, argument exactly. for conservatives to, to win i mean it's just so it's just such a common sense thing but this is um looking at all of that and we covered it in the first hour you've read it all of this stuff's going on but this is you know is it good yeah i think all of this is good i mean people have to see that there is no reforming this system it's criminally corrupt you cannot win this rigged game and we have to be looking for alternatives so this is a, again a takeaway orthodoxies become violent on their deathbed all right and and the left will not play by the rules the repression hasn't worked all of this censorship you know impeaching trump all of the stuff they've pulled hasn't worked it has in fact backfired and gotten people uh, more people to our side now than ever before individuals have been punished for this organizations have been bankrupted social discontent however has only intensified so all of the measures that they had gone to before that used to work aren't working now and we're light years away from where we were in 2016 the number of radicals in the population has soared even since 2020 radicalization this is uh, again brad griffin's quote going vertical in 2023 it became clear with the 
uh, Trump indictments that we were on our way to a major constitutional crisis. And I think, you know, where we sit right now, John, even with all of this going, even with everything we covered in the first hour, everything that's happening right now in real time, it just seems to be cascading and overlapping and just gener- it's like a hurricane is generating more and more power. More stuff happens every week. Uh, but this. Uh, and so, I mean, it's hard to even imagine where we're going to be in a few months because all of this be a stuff, category five hurricane right? all of this stuff we just mentioned has happened just within the last couple of months so you you extrapolate that into next year and what do we look like but this system is now i think i think it's in big trouble partisan hatred is at historic levels historic highs the political class we said this uh, uh, with Kevin McDonald seems to be making extraordinary, reckless gambles both here and abroad. The mainstream political atmosphere is fevered, and we're in a we're in a great destabilization phase. Norms are dissolving, taboos are uh, taboos are disappearing, and the stability of the current regime seems to be liquefying. I mean, do you agree with that, John? And, and nothing is uh, sacred anymore. If they can go after the First and Second Amendment. And what, what does she gain from it? Not a thing. They're showing you that they just will not play by the rules. They make the rules. The yeah. rules just right, like uh, Outback Steakhouse. Well, I mean, it's it's only just bringing these issues more to the fore. I think you're completely right about just how things have accelerated in recent years. I mean, for, and, and I know you guys have talked about it, beat, you know, beat this topic to death, this whole ban the ADL hashtag, which is probably – one of the biggest news stories, I think, this year, and there yeah. have been a lot of important news stories. Well, but not this is, just this year. is huge. Yeah. Well, see, that, that's the thing. That's the, that's the opposite side. We have all of this stuff that we've been covering tonight, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got something like this. And I say, John, and I know you, you and I talked about this off the air last week, emailing and texting and things, but I, because I, we were trying to figure out what to, to put in the paper in this next issue for the American Free Press. But I, not just the biggest story for our side this year, but, you know, maybe even in decades. But I certainly wanted to get back with you on that. So, again, we were talking about norms dissolving, taboos disappearing. Uh, and this is the greatest example that I could find in my lifetime of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, look, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, this whole ban the ADL thing has really just exposed just how this this organization works and operates to millions, billions of people probably, I mean, considering the reach of, of Twitter and social media. I mean, Elon Musk is basically admitting that the ADL played a central role in deplatforming Trump from Twitter, you know, back in 2020, 2021, shortly after the election. Um, and, and, and the way this organization works is just so insidious. It's something that, you know, of course we know about, and I'm sure most listeners are well aware of. But, you know, the, the facts, the fa- how this organization was founded, for example, are being exposed to millions of people, just exactly how they operate, how they shake down these big tech companies. They shake down the, the one of the wealthiest men in the world, Elon Musk, who it's so weird. I mean, it's very like schizophrenic type thinking with Elon Musk. On the one hand, he's been very critical of the ADL. On the other, he like continues to attempt to placate them and they're, you know, his, uh, I think it's the CEO of the company. Um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but she just recently met with the ADL. The ADL is constantly meeting with, you know, these top officials at Twitter and Facebook and basically dictating to them what, you know, is allowed and not allowed on their well, platforms. Well, I think that Elon Musk, though, uh, John, is basically interested in trying to recoup that 60% loss of revenue uh, rather than yeah. the principle of free yeah. speech. But, yeah, but I don't care about that. Whatever gets him on the right side of the ledger. I mean, I do care, but this is I, I've said this forever. You're, it doesn't matter. The other, th- get there. other thing that you talked about that I thought was very interesting is that it shed light on the founding of the ADL in the Leo Frank case. Of course, Ron Unz has, I think, the definitive article on that. And, of course, he mentions the 
Nation of Islam uh, monograph on it, which is quite a monograph, 500 pages, uh, about, you know, the lynching of a guilty man is what they call it in there. And, you know, this is the foundation upon which the ADL is based. The fact that Jewish power and influence was not able to, uh, you know, overcome public outrage. You know, when I was younger, I used to say, you know, I understand why the Jews hate the Germans because of the so-called six million uh, Holocaust victim narrative. But what did white Southerners do to incur their ire? And then I found it was the Leo Frank case. In the Leo Frank case, one person, but we defied the combined power of world Jewry. Uh, I still don't think. And and that's and because of that, you know, we've gotten uh, on their, uh, you know, uh, the S list forever. Well, you said uh, that last week. They hate us because we're white Christians. Well, they they also they don't like that. Well, they well the thing is they hate white Southerners for that, but they also hate white Southerners particularly because they couldn't pull off their normal shenanigans with the Leo Frank case. Uh, I'm sure they didn't like that, but I think it's you know much deeper and broader than that. But anyway, it, it, well, but that added to it, it probably. Now, what, what they hate it? white Christians. They hate Christians. They yeah, hate Christianity well, well, and white Southerners. Why do they southerners? hate white Southerners? Because white Southerners are Christians. Well, why do they hate more, us well, certainly more, more than white Southerners in the Midwest, for example? Well, there's more more Christ, Christianity is certainly much more prevalent in the South than in the other region. But anyway. John, what about uh, Jonathan Greenblatt's uh, tour where he says uh, the ADL is just a small nonprofit? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was actually going to mention that. I thought that was particularly laughable. I'm actually looking at the ADL's website. They have like, tw- I think it's like 28 regional offices, not only in the United States, but they got an office in Israel, of course, and, you know, all over the country. It's just incredible. And this goes to the heart of. The, the, the free speech debate in this country. Do we have the right to criticize Jews? Do we have the right to state facts about Jews and just what they're up to in our society? According to the ADL, the answer is no, and that's totally unacceptable. Well, that's it. I mean, they happen to be Jewish. If they happen to be doing this any other way, we'd say the same thing. If they, like, like George Soros. You know, we don't even mention he's a Jew, and we can't mention his name. We'll be right back. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Corey Myers. Danilo Cavalcanti has been captured alive in Pennsylvania after he escaped from Chester County Prison and eluded authorities for nearly two weeks. He was surrounded and taken by surprise in northern Chester County shortly after 8 a.m. this morning. Pennsylvania State Police Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens said the capture went easily and he would call it a great success. He detected uh, uh, them at that point once they were already in position and again he started to crawl away and it played out very quickly then. An aircraft using thermal technology led tactical teams of state police and U.S. border agents to the fugitive's location around 1 a.m., but a storm with severe lightning prevented Cavalcanti's immediate capture. The teams kept the location surrounded to prevent his escape until they were able to converge. 
New Mexico's attorney general says he will not defend the governor's gun ban in court. On September 8th, Democratic Governor Michelle Lujan Grissom issued a public health order to suspend the use, open and concealed carry in public spaces in Albuquerque and Bernalillo County for 30 days. A move that has drawn bipartisan backlash in a letter yesterday, Attorney General Raul Torres, who is also a Democrat, told Grisham, simply put, I do not believe that the emergency order will have any meaningful impact on public safety. But more importantly, I do not believe it passes constitutional muster. Government experts have cast doubt on the effectiveness of the leading decongestant used by millions of Americans. Yesterday, advisors to the FDA unanimously voted against the effectiveness of the ingredient found in popular medications like Sudafed, Allegra, and Dayquil. This is USA News. Meet Joe A, Joe B, and Joe C. What's up? Three everyday Joes perfecting their banking with Chase. Joe A is locking his lost debit card with the Chase mobile app. Joe B is cruising toward his new ride with Autosave. And Joe C's Chase banker is helping him budget to go back to school. Tools that help protect. Support for what's next. One bank that puts you in control. Visit chase.com slash checking. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Messaging and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Hey, y'all, this is Ronte, and a little thing I love about the Chick-fil-A honey pepper pimento chicken sandwich is the pimento cheese. I was like, go cheese, go pimento, go honey, go get it. Hi, this is Shantrees, and a little thing I love about the Chick-fil-A honey pepper pimento chicken sandwich is the mild spiciness of the pickled jalapenos. No, it's the crispy chicken. Actually, I can't decide. It's the entire sandwich. Order the honey pepper pimento chicken sandwich on the Chick-fil-A app today. Available for a limited time. Real Chick-fil-A guests paid for their testimonials. And away we go again, ladies and gentlemen. So, okay, uh, what were we talking about? Uh, obviously, right before the break, the ADL. Jonathan Greenblatt going on this uh, tour of uh, saying, well, you know, uh, why all this hatred of the ADL? We're just a nonprofit, civil rights, you know, small nonprofit. Uh, we're a small, small, we're a small non- nonprofit in New York, he said. Meanwhile, they've got <laughs> operations all across the country and in Israel. And, of course, they have networks and lovable. connections to all these governments. All Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, you know what? No to me, it's it's a really it, it, it's a really important topic. Obviously, as you know, as we were sort of discussing in the previous segment, and we've got a, a quite a few articles dealing with it in this current issue of American Free Press, including yours. And the message of yours overall, James, I think was really uh, really a, a good approach to take. Is let's get good luck, Elon Musk. Let's see what he can do. I mean, I'm not going to keep my hopes up, certainly, but just the fact that he's brought a lot of attention to this very subversive. Yeah, that's right anti-American organization with a very disgusting, sordid history is a very important development, I think. Yeah, the sordid history, I think, is unknown. Most people think that Leo Frank was this, you know, uh, the, the one Jewish person lynched in the history of the world, or at least in America, and they have turned him into a plaster saint when actually he was, uh, you know, as the National of Islam said, uh, Leo Frank, the lynching of a guilty man. Uh John, obviously, and you just mentioned it, I mean, we, we both agree that this is a big story. That's why we spent so much time the last two weeks covering it. But uh, I think, didn't you say in the next, next issue of American Free Press, which is already 
have gone to press. It'll soon be distributed to the subscribers. Didn't you say, what, is there three or four stories on this in that one issue? Uh, there's three total. There's your piece, the piece that I wrote, which kind of uh, gives an overview of exactly how the ADL operates. And then uh, Dr. Kevin Barrett wrote a really good piece about it, um, basically arguing that, well, he for years he's been trying to get the ADL to do a debate with him or a representative from the ADL to do a debate with him because, of course, they've smeared him and, you know, pretty much anybody else that's talked critically about, about Jews or Israel or the role that Jews play in society. You know, they smeared us as anti-Semites or Holocaust deniers and stuff like this. So he's been a- attempting to engage in some sort of dialogue or debate with the ADL. So he wrote a pretty provocative piece along those lines. And that's the thing. These people don't want to debate. They don't want to entertain other ideas. What is their whole um, their whole approach? Is and, and Elon Musk, again, even adopted this approach on Twitter. At least he did publicly uh, earlier this year where he was talking about how their policy would be freedom of speech but not freedom of reach. So you could, you know, go make a tweet as long as nobody saw it. You know, they're going to prevent you from, <laughs> from you know, they're basically going to shadow ban you and not let anybody see anything you're saying if you're, you know, writing controversial things on Twitter. So that's sort of well, their like approach. Like Sam Francis it, it, said, freedom of speech for me but not for thee. But they're absolutely right. lying about that because here's two things, John. Number one, Twitter is the public town hall now it's the public square that's where the debates are at everything's uh, you know, so many things are digital now and, and conversations take place online uh if you didn't have the ability to reach people on twitter which is where the conversations are taking place you'd be reduced to you know walking around and, and putting out flyers on windshields or in mailboxes but here's the thing they won't let you do that either you know you've seen this you've seen this i was in gonna say you've be careful you do that down in florida you might get arrested yeah Exactly. So it's not. It's they're saying, well, freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. And by that, I guess hypothetically, not even freedom of speech. Hypothetically, they're saying you can have the freedom of speech, but you don't have the right to to be on a social media platform that's going to reach a lot of people. So okay, well, we'll go out and put out flowers. Well, you can't do that either. We're going to arrest you and call it littering. We're going to call it a felony. We're going to call it intimidation. We're going to call it hate speech. You know, they have all of these different different. States, there's that different law ways. in Florida, I think, was pandering by Ron DeSantis, trying to, uh, you know, tell him what a good boy he was. But, you know, that's even freedom of speech. What could have less reach than putting flyers in people's Yeah, if, if you put in a good day's work and you work real hard, you're going to get, a, a, what, a couple of hundred of them, uh, you know? And so that's it. So Jonathan Greenblatt and the ADL are, in fact, absolutely bald-faced lying. They don't want you to have freedom of speech either. They're trying to criminalize it. They're absolutely trying to yeah. criminalize it with the hate crimes enhancements, number one. But even if you don't even have the freedom to go out and put out a flyer that you print out at your local copy shop uh they want to criminalize that they're not for free speech in any capacity and we have to be able to talk about that and that's another thing i mean we were talking with kevin mcdonald john in the last hour about what what does constitute in their opinion anti-semitic speech and it's basically anything you could you could possibly say that involves them even sometimes if you praise them it can be anti-semitic if you're praising their joe biden their uh their disproportionate amount of power and influence in in the system right and in media and etc and uh and so Basically, everything you could possibly say about them is anti-Semitic. And, and basically, yeah, invisible. especially, yeah, well, and especially, uh, you know, like openly stating basic facts about what they're up to, about their power and influence, about how they use that power and influence to advance certain agendas. I mean, you could even like quote these people directly from their own mouths and, and, and just, you know, 
put that on Twitter and they would flag that as like anti-Semitism. I mean, that's the thing. They openly yeah, talk right. about how they want to shut down people from they, they call them tropes or myths of, you know, Jews running the world or running the government or running the media when, you know, you can prove that J- Jews play an overwhelming role in, in pretty much every institution in society. And it's not some crazy conspiracy no. theory. I mean, yeah, well, they, they're factual. responsible for they're responsible for the triumph of liberalism in the West, in particular in America, over the past 70 well, years. Well, And that's something that Kevin McDonald was sure to. And I, and I think it's important that would be exact, exactly accurate. I mean, to say that they have total control might not be entirely true because you certainly have a lot of uh, collaborators that are not Jewish that are going along with the program. But to say that they have a, a wild, wildly disproportionate amount of control is 100% accurate and that they are sort of the rudder on the, a lot the of the stuff. The foot soldiers might be Gentiles, but the generals are all Jews. Uh, and so uh, th- this is where we're at. And I want to be clear about this, and I think it's important to say this too, and, I, and I, I, I've said it from time to time when, when having these conversations. Uh, basically, it looks to me like, you know, yeah, as you said, John, it's an anti-Semitic trope to, to say something or to even quote what they say, uh, like Joel Stein and the Jews totally run Hollywood. You know, if you post that, that's anti-Semitic trope to quote a Jewish guy with regards to what he says or even to agree well, with Jews him. Jews can be uh, anti-Semitic, even Andrew Torba, you know, it was, uh, you know, uh, and Andrew Ross Sorkin, for example, was. Uh, well, Torba's certainly not Jewish. But. I know, but Andrew Ross, that's who, who I mean, Andrew Ross Sorkin asked Greenblatt if he was angling for some type of uh, donation <laughs> from uh, uh, Musk. And, I mean, Greenblatt jumped on him like a duck on a June bug. Well, Musk said that's exactly what they were going for, you know, this donation. But I think, listen, any person or organization like the ADL, any individual or any sort of entity that is engaging in this kind of anti-white, anti-Christian behavior, I'm going to be against. These people happen to be Jewish. I can't help you or anyone else or them about that if they were white or black or whatever i would be calling them out just the same and if in some alternate universe john uh you had jews who were using uh their resources and their wealth and their uh, power and influence to help us i would be their biggest cheerleader i think that that's just a pretty fair thing to say unfortunately they don't so i oppose it but it's not because oh it's just because they're jewish we do these things i mean that's just that just doesn't make sense well, and that's the way they often present it. And they often present, uh, you know, anti-Semitism as, you know, calls for violence against Jews or just, you know, blind hatred towards Jews. And frankly, I don't really know anybody like that. That's certainly never the way that I've approached this topic. I want to have a scholarly conversation about Jews and about their power, about their influence, about their history, about the various organizations that they run and what sort of political and social and cultural agendas that they're promoting. And that's what they're trying to shut down. Like basically like the scholarly discussion of, you know, of, of the reality of Jewish power and influence. And that to me is totally unacceptable. And, you know, that's what this is all about. That's what this whole free speech debate revolves around, at least in my opinion. Do we have the ability to talk openly and honestly about the role Jews play in society? And again, groups like the ADL would say, no, we don't have that ability because it's quote unquote hateful and anti-Semitic. And so, you know, again, these things, this whole hashtag, what, you know, the role that Elon Musk has played in this and all the other activists on, on Twitter. I know um, uh, Keith Woods played a huge role in sort of getting this trending. And, oh, yeah, he was the one. And, and yeah. bringing this up. Yeah. So, I mean, this is all, you know, pushing things definitely in a positive direction. And it's exposing people to, to these realities. You know, this is this goes to the heart of all of our political problems, I think. 
is our inability to be grownups and, and talk about these very uncomfortable and admittedly, you know, controversial subjects. Well, the reason we can't talk about them, um, uh, John, is because they have weaponized their criticism of people. If you want, if, if you depend on a paycheck from a large company or from the government or something like this, or if you're in a type of a field where you depend upon other people, you're not a freebooter. They will punish you if it is possible. If you get uh, prominently enough on their radar, they're coming after you. And on the other hand, they want you to imagine that they're like the Cheshire Cat. They magically disappear, only leaving their smile behind them. Right? <laughs> one more segment and one more segment only. Another fast show. Another fast show. John Friend, AmericanFreePress.net. Talk a little bit more about that when we come back. A wonderful hour, wonderful one-two punch. Kevin McDonald and John Friend tonight on TPC. Stay tuned. Matthew 24, 24 teaches us that the church is deceived today. Deceived Christians call themselves Judeo-Christians. Around 1900, Jews commissioned the Schofield Reference Bible, which transformed the Jews from Christian killers to the chosen people. Here's the truth. America is in the Bible. Revelation 21, our form of government came down from heaven. Verse 3, the many Christian ministers at the Constitutional Convention sought God's will. The God-given rights in the Constitution were ordained by God. America is the new promised land for Christian Israel, and Christians are the true chosen people. True Israel is Christian. Listen to Jesus, quote, my sheep follow me, unquote, and, quote, you do not believe because you are not my sheep, unquote. John 10, 25 through 27, the beast has transformed America into the woman mystery Babylon, Revelation chapter 17. For the complete Bible study, write to Christian Knuckles, P.O. Box 210813, Royal Palm Beach, Florida, 33421. Materialistic science states the universe and everything in it emerged from an unguided, chaotic expansion of space-time matter energy labeled the Big Bang. But far from being the result of a chaotic Big Bang, the universe was initiated and put into ordered motion by the Creator. Thomas Jefferson, in the Declaration of Independence, attributed the laws of nature to the Creator, nature's God. Now, the Declaration of Wide Independence by Kyle McDermott sets the record straight, from the inception of the laws of nature and of nature's God, to the right of all the peoples of mankind to be self-governing within their own homelands. This book provides an ideology to utterly defeat the woke globalist communist tyrants. The Declaration of Wide Independence is a highly recommended addition to community, college, and university library philosophy collections and supplemental curriculum studies lists. Available at the Dixie Republic and Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, DixieRepublic.com, and at Barnes & Noble. Well, folks, where is all this headed? Uh, we've got a sick and fevered political climate. Not living in normal times. Destabilization spiral, a political order that is rapidly collapsing. And the fact, John, that you've got mainstream media, the Democratic establishment now, saying that in order to preserve democracy, we have to make sure that 
we don't have elections. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going yeah. to take candidates <laughs> off the ballot. We're going to put them in prison. We're going to trump up these charges. We're going to go after senators now like Chem- Lindsey Graham. Chemotherapy for democracy. Uh, it's a deep crisis that we're already in, and it's probably going to devolve into open conflict. Uh, and that's just not something that we want, but something that seems to be probable at this point. In the very near well, and too. yeah, and 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 yeah, no, I, I I agree, and I think we've basically already been there, honestly, at least since 2015, 2016, when Trump really stepped on the political stage. That's when we started to see the violence yeah. at the at his big rallies. Um, you know, we saw that certainly the inauguration during his yeah. first inauguration. Yeah, so this sort of like low scale conflict has been simmering for a very long time. I mean, it was, it, it, you know, sort of ebbs and flows depending on how the media reports certain incidents like the George Floyd situation was totally used by the media to, to, you know, instigate this BLM Antifa revolution in the summer of 2020, which of course helped facilitate the, the theft of the 2020 election, I think. And, you know, COVID played a key role in all that as well. But yeah, no, I think we've we've basically been living in like a, a low scale civil war since Trump, you know, entered politics. Um, and and it's the best yeah, thing you're right. It's possibly happened to our side, though, uh, John. It's you know because everything they've done is so counterintuitive, so contrary to common sense and common mores. Uh, right. And their explanations for it are such palpable lies that they have radicalized <laughs> people on our side and got us a lot of converts among people that basically are just like Greta Garbo and want to be left alone. Uh, They can't, you know, when they start grabbing your children and having them, their sex change without your permission, you know, if that doesn't get to you, nothing will. And, uh, you know, basically we just let them, you know, stand back and let them make fools of themselves is, uh, you know, what has led us to this point. I don't really think, we people on the right have really contributed to it. We've just reacted with our mouths gaping open to the enormities that they're trying to foist on the American people. Yeah, and I don't think we're really going to ever be able to come to uh, an agreement or, or, or a common acceptance of, of you know, the political discourse or, narr- or even narratives. I mean, think about how, like, for example, January 6th is described by the mainstream media, by the Democrats, by the political establishment as a quote-unquote insurrection, which, you know, you ask me, it was nothing of the sort. It was basically a, 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 most, a genuinely mostly peaceful protest at the Capitol that was sort of well, spun by the media. it was an attempt like we had in uh, Charlottesville to co-opt the civil rights movement, protest movement. They're not going to allow us to do that. They are basically right. going to... Imagine what would have happened if... Martin Luther King and John Lewis and Jesse Jackson had been put in jail for 20 years. John, you're on to something here about the Orwellian nature. When Black Lives Matter and Antifa are burning down cities, that's a mostly peaceful protest. When Trump voters mill around in the Capitol, that's an insurrection. Democracy is not letting people vote for the candidate of their choice. Democracy is actually going to these great lengths to make sure that they can't. See, everything is backwards. Yeah, and see, that's that's the biggest problem is there's never going to be a, you know a consensus on any of these issues anymore. At least I don't see that anytime soon. And it's going to take people to stand up and you know genuine leaders to come forth and actually really tell the truth. And that's the thing with a, a guy like Trump or Elon Musk is these are the people that really have a lot of potential to really set the tone and and you know get things going back in a more truthful, honest direction. 
And thus far, I mean, we just haven't really seen that, unfortunately. I mean, again, there's always that potential. I think that's a point that, that I've made previously, you know, doing doing these interviews with you guys is a, a, a guy like Donald Trump, when he came into office in 2016, had all the potential in the world to really change things. And, you know, of course, he was stymied in a number of ways and probably made a lot of bad decisions. But there's still that potential. A person like Elon Musk, again, you know, same same sort of situation. So I think really that's what we're lacking is we, we, we lack, you know, a, a solid leadership class that's going to stand up and tell the truth and, and set things in a more truthful, honest direction. I think it's a uh, great question about this. Uh, if he got a second term is would he improve? Would he? Make yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. What, you know, and we would see I think we might see early if he's not in prison or if he's not killed or whatever. I think his vice presidential pick uh, will, will be a, a nice indicator as to which because if he if he has a poor vice presidential pick, if he goes with another standard uh, cookie cutter neocon, uh, at, which is what he or populated Chamber, Chamber his, of Commerce Republican, which is exactly what he populated his entire administration with. Then we then we'll know that he hasn't learned anything. But again, I, I don't want him to win and try to reform the system. I just want him to be this agent of chaos uh, that will bring about the change that we really need. And I think inadvertently, John, you know, certainly Trump has been the reason we are where we are today. The reason all of this stuff that we've been talking about for the last few years has happened has because of Trump, whether he intended it to or not. And certainly he didn't. But but that's where we are, and so in that way, he has been, you know, certainly an angel for us. Trump has all the right enemies. Now, one last thing, John, I want to say, shifting gears one last time. Let's remind everybody here at the end of the uh, hour, uh, end of the program tonight, uh, about that third quarter fundraising incentive. It's that print subscription to the American Free Press. That's going to be delivered bi-weekly to your home mailbox until the end of the year. Now, you know that, folks, and we've gotten a good response to it so far, but it's got to continue for the rest of the month. I mean, it is, it's a, always a tight, tight, tight operation around here. But uh, we have gotten a good reaction to that. It is, It really is, John, I think for this audience, which is why I was so eager to do it, uh, is the print newspaper of American Free Press is the perfect complement to our weekly broadcast. And uh, here's something that you don't know, John is that of the people who have already responded to this gift incentive and responded with their support this quarter, I've had a handful, a handful. I think if you saw it once or twice, that would be remarkable, but I think we're up to four or five now. People who have paid the premium, you know, donated at the level of support necessary to receive the gift, who already subscribed to the American Free Press, and they're saying, I've already got a subscription, but I want you to give this to somebody who doesn't. And that, I think, is just goes to the very heart of what our audience is. They are good. They are kind. It's, it's a one-for-all mentality that we've all got here, that you and I have, that Keith and I have, that we have I, with I've our guests. Say, I've got a modest proposal. For people like that, we need to find out which among our numbers are in jail because of Charlottesville or January 6th and send them yeah. copies. That's a good idea. That's a really good well, idea, of, yeah. That's a really good but idea. But we've had a handful of people that have done that so far, and you know, perhaps there'll be some more, but it's just people who want to support the show but are already subscribers to the American Free Press, which I think just goes to prove that, you know, yeah, one audience, there's a lot of overlap. And, and let them know that we haven't forgotten them. But uh, in any event, it's, it's, it's been a good reaction so far, and we're about halfway through. We're exactly halfway through it tonight on the 16th of the month. 
Uh, but we hope that that support continues. $100 or more, you or someone at your designation can receive a print subscription to the American Free Press that will run all the way into January. So you get it for the rest of this year. And then, of course, you can decide whether or not you want to resubscribe and, 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 and resubscribe uh, at an annual uh, level. Uh, but uh, this is something that the audience has responded well to, and it's 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 been a lot of fun uh, to do this. Uh, it's this is this yeah. Is a really good, well, I, yeah, really no, I'm good I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. And we do have you know a, a very dedicated, solid subscription base, and you know that that's why we're still in existence. You know, it's not easy maintaining a print publication these days, let alone one on a shoestring budget with no corporate advertising, no big donors, no big backers. I mean, even these, you know, more mainstream corporate newspapers can't even stay afloat these days. So it, it's quite an accomplishment. I think it serves a very, very valuable purpose. I mean, you know, I've, I've said before, I'm, I'm sort of like an old school newspaper nerd. I like sitting down and, and reading yeah. a, an old fashioned book, an old fashioned magazine, an old fashioned newspaper. And I know I'm probably a, a, a dying breed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go sit down on the porch and have a cup of coffee and, and read the newspaper. Absolutely. Well, and, and also, I mean, you know, we've talked all about censorship and how the ADL is trying to get everybody banned on social media. Again, sort of underscoring the importance of having an actual print newspaper, not to mention the sort of legitimate, legitimacy that such a thing uh, sort of commands. I mean, you know, an actual print. It's very well put together, I think. We got a good group of writers, um, including James, who recently came on board. Jose Nino just came on board. He's going to be right. contributing more regularly, I believe. So, yeah, things are definitely going in the right direction. Um, you know, we're covering the most important topics, I think, facing the country, facing the world. You know, from an openly pro-America, America first type perspective, dare I say pro-white perspective. You know, and you know it's something that's that's very much necessary. So I think it's uh, I think it's good. I, I I appreciate very much what you do for the paper, James, and and wish your fundraiser the best. I'm sure it's going to be very successful. Well, we and we are already getting some of those orders processed. So you know, almost every time you support TPC during one of these fundraising incentives, we personally send you. Uh, the, the gift premium. Now, we package it. We ship it. This time, obviously, it's a little different. You're going to be getting a recurring subscription, but we're passing on uh, the uh, the names and the addresses uh, of people who want the subscription, obviously, to John and the American Free Press, and they're already getting them in the hopper. We sent in a big batch uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, we're, we're doing that every week, and, and so they'll start rolling. You'll get it twice a month in the mail, and I think you'll like it. We actually put a sample. I mean, we've been talking about all this. What's it actually look like? What's some of the content? We actually did post, even though you have to subscribe to the paper, it only appears, my columns and commentaries only appear in the print newspaper, but we actually did post a one-time sample for you to read, and it was my column on our, or my article on anarcho-tyranny, and that's up at the website. You can go take a look, and that's the kind of stuff you'll be getting. Well, but I'm only it. one of many uh, contributors to the paper, obviously. Well, the thing I like about this particular incentive package is that uh, we're helping out another group, and we're helping spread their footprint. That's right. You're I, think, helping. I think we need to do one for the Barnes Review sometime, too, if we can figure out a way to do that. Well, yeah, well certainly every time we do an incentive, it helps – the person that are that is providing the gift premium and and us too so in this case and in this uh quarter you can help tpc stay on the air and you'll be helping american free press and you'll be getting some great gifts we always like to say thank you and we always like to reward you for your support with these gifts incentives i know you'd support us anyway uh but it's it's it just feels right and we like to help other people that's what we do here we our nexus and we uh, like to cross pollinate so john friend thank you so much for being on with us tonight folks do show your support 
And uh, before the 30th of this month, get in that support and you'll get that gift to the American Free Press. Uh, I'm James Edwards for Keith Alexander, Kevin McDonald, John Friend. We will talk to you next week. Good night, Godspeed. What's going to happen between tonight and next week? <laughs> Hide and watch, right, Keith? That's right. <laughs> we'll be talking to you then. <laughs>